my God, I, I can't. I'm so excited. I can't. I can't. We're holding advanced copies of Sally Rooney's third novel, Beautiful World, Where Are You? And it's it's overwhelming to me. It really is. It is. Okay, so first, let's start. This is a no-spoiler preview episode about Beautiful World, Where Are You? We're going to cover the first three chapters, one of which was previously published in The New Yorker almost in its entirety. And in these first three chapters, you're really basically just meeting the characters, Alice, Felix, Simon, and Eileen. This episode is for people who aren't sure if they want to read the book, will it live up? You know, like we had this experience, like I'm scared to open the first page. Do I want to do it? This is a little bit of your hype episode. Or if you, if you, even if you've read it or know you want to read it and you don't have it yet and you want some high-level conceptual thematic discussion, this, this episode is also going to be for you. That's where we're starting. I've had so many feelings. I didn't want to read it at first. I'm scared of it, but also dying to – I needed an advance yes. copy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right. couldn't live without that. I had to to beg for that. I felt very important. I've, I've I've I mean this. I feel really important that we got this. This makes me feel like we're something here. Like we have Sally Rooney's book before it comes out. Yes. It's pretty exciting. And yes. did you were you at all afraid to yes. get into it? Completely. Yeah, afraid. it was well, scary. It's scary, but also it is as you said, exciting. And, oh, God, I, I had a lot of emotions, yes, to yeah. open up a book, <laughs> okay. which is kind of crazy. Also, there is extra weight for you and I because, as we've talked about before, normal people was what – I mean, Gone Girl might have been part of the inspiration for this the, con the concept of this podcast, but normal people was it. Normal people was the first book. It was the first – moment it was incepted before even before I got upset about Gone Girl normal people was the way you and I had shared our experience about reading it it's so layered all of my feelings Special and it has meaning for us yeah yes for us it is yes. our first and, and episode. this podcast yes on the podcast yep. was her book and then of course yes. with the Hulu adaptation we did recaps of that which literally blew up our yeah. downloads blew up That's our downloads right. like I woke up That's every right. morning to see oh my god the staggering numbers that we had not seen before <laughs> of downloads yeah. for those recaps yeah. i think for a book that the two of us each individually mm -hmm. had i would say mixed feelings about or just that's right when we read it and then strong feelings strong. though not yes. they were not mixed in that they left us feeling eh. oh it no was, we had very strong feelings yes very strong but feelings. i felt as if for purposes of the podcast that episode and the things oh that it brought out in each yes. of us it set the tone completely it set the tone completely yeah. so that's why it's, it's scary so... too what if what if we read this and that's what I was thinking before I opened it and what, what yeah. if it doesn't do that for us right I and mean, that's right. what I was really afraid of I mean it's one thing to be like oh, I don't like the book but I I just want it to bring out all the things that normal people right. did. Not the same things, but... Yes. No, no. But, and and what's your general feeling about that right away? Yeah, I, my, it, I do have an inkling, and I said this to you in a text. I have a feeling this one is going to be more directly affecting me, and then our conversations will leave you, you know, reeling and feeling the same way I did. Like, I think normal people affected you mm. a little bit more specifically yeah, and personally. 
it messed me up. Right. And that's how I'm – and you know I texted you this book is fucking me up. It's totally – And I have no idea why. Are you? I, but I guess it's be already doing bit. what we're saying, which is we yes. just want it to elicit strong feelings So, so much. And then we're going to try something a little crazy doing recaps of the book and see how – how that goes because honestly I and now that I've read a little bit more beyond these first chapters I could not get through the whole book and not talk about I mean I have so much to if talk we about. did it would be like a four-hour episode so we <laughs> might as well break it up I mean right it would it be right. it's it's so yes. it's dense there's so much okay let me read the the blurb on the back of the advanced copy which I think actually did this book justice or does this book justice unlike most blurbs Alice, a novelist, meets Felix, who works in a warehouse, and asks him if he'd like to travel to Rome with her. In Dublin, her best friend Eileen is getting over a breakup and slips back into flirting with Simon, a man she's known since childhood. Alice, Felix, Eileen, and Simon are still young, but life is catching up with them. They desire each other, they delude each other, they get together, they break apart. They have sex, they worry about sex, they worry about their friendships and the world they live in. Are they still standing in the last lighted room before darkness bearing witness to something will they find a way to believe in a beautiful world i love that blurb I, that's yeah, a I great blurb that is a fantastic are they blurb. standing in the last lighted room before the darkness bearing witness to something i mean it, even that right. is beautiful <laughs> i read an interview in the guardian and sally rooney our middle child Pisces. Did we used to do that on what she said? Did we no, talk about? I don't okay. think so. I certainly middle didn't know child. she was the middle child. I don't remember if we talked about her being a Pisces. Middle it child. makes a lot of sense though. Wow. Older brother, younger sister. Pisces, but Aquarius cusp. So interesting. I mean, I think that rings true for me very much. But she says about this book, she said, the book first presented itself to me as a four-person story. A story about a friendship between two women and their respective relationships with two men. But it took me a relatively long time and a lot of trial and error to figure out how to tell that story. Mm. So there are two things I'm, I'm going to want to come back to in that short statement. One is the friendship between two women. And then two is how she decided to tell the story. But first, let's let's start at the beginning, which is chapter one. Yeah. Now... With your house, yeah. she decided to tell the story. Is that going to get into the structure? Because that's what I think of how yes. she sets this up. Okay, because that's what I yes. think is a big part of this and very interesting. Yes. So we chapter one starts with Alice and Felix. Alice is a novelist and Felix is a local country man who works in a warehouse. This is set again in Ireland. They are both 29 years old. The chapter is full of very typical Sally Rooney, will they or won't they <laughs> tension. But I felt, and I don't remember exactly about normal people, but I was surprised that it doesn't end with any, in like anything, no kiss, no sex. I mean, they go, they end up in her bedroom, but yeah. nothing happens. And there's a line, nothing. right? Where it's something like, we both knew what was going to happen. And I'm like, waiting. And it's like, and he walks out, he just leaves. <laughs> I was like, yes. wait, what? <laughs> I you're I was surprised as well that was surprising she's definitely dragging this out a little bit more this will they or won't they tension I think yes and one of the things I loved about normal people and you know we talked about this was the sex I know people 
really caught on to that when the show came yeah. out and <laughs> see their chemistry yeah. and stuff. But I I am one of the few that found the book much more titillating, much more intense in the sex. And I remember not more than one person afterwards after they read the book was like what do you what was interesting about the sex and I was like oh my god what and then you see it on the show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it becomes very clear I think Is we're the, setting yeah. them up these two at least from the beginning of this as more not the slow burn but like they're mm. they're just a little unsure of each other it's, they are. you know it's it's a little awkward and and they're they're both awkward yes especially Alice as as people and then maybe circumstances in their lives definitely a slower pace and that'll be different when they when she sets up Simon and Eileen but with these two Mm -hmm. yeah they're both just sort of unsure of the other and there's like I love this line she says what kind of person do you think I am and Mm -hmm. she writes something in the calm coolness of her look seemed to unsettle him and he gave a quick yelping laugh well, well, he said, I only met you a few hours ago. I haven't made up my mind on you yet. And she says, you'll let me know when you do, I hope. And he says, I might. And like, that's <laughs> like their whole thing. They're just a little, like, they don't know what to make of the other yet. And they are both a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. And the whole thing is just so strange. But it, for me, I definitely was intrigued and mm-hmm. certainly wanted to know more. So even though we didn't get yeah, that be- out of the gate, I was definitely interested in the That's right. Be- because they aren't indifferent towards one another. It's yeah. not a – it really truly is will they or won't they because you feel the pull and then and then the push. Like, oh, she went too far. She offended him or, or oh, he offended her and this is never going to happen now. You really think it's either – going to go you know like come out of the gate running or it's going to completely you know fail to launch and and piss each other off exactly yeah, that's right that's what that's she right. does so well she's also so she good and this comes through right in this beginning scene of just this ability to convey a scene so you mm. feel as if you're just the fly on the wall observer, you know? I could yeah. see them sitting in that bar, sort of the when she walks in. And, you know, she it, it is this sort of distant kind of, I don't know, remove narration where, you know, it, you're just... It feels... I, I felt at first like that was going to make it difficult for me to get into these two, but you mm. don't. I just felt like an observer, like I could see what was happening. You know, she yeah. he looked down. Is are you Alice? You know the whole thing. I could, yeah, I could see it like a movie in, in my mind, and she yeah. just has such an ability to do that in a scene where you know, I mean, they're just sitting there, they're just having a conversation, but she felt yeah. in it. And three drinks, and that's it. And then they go back to the house, and and the surprises are surprising, right? One of them is they go back, they go back to her. A, apartment and it's in the in a rectory rectory. and he's like oh wait why didn't you mention this this is awkward like you live in the rectory keeping us on our toes very sally rooney what we come to expect of her she is nailing all of that for sure she still got no quotation marks which is still Mm -hmm. you know no longer bothers me i did not need to get over that this time i did okay i did with normal people it still bothers a lot of people apparently oh wow yeah but now it Um, it doesn't bother me in the least but i it took me a while the first time i found it even more interesting that not only i i i feel like in normal people 
they were still separated. The lines of dialogue were still mostly separated out. They were just without quotation marks. Mm -hmm. And this one, I find there's a whole paragraph of dialogue, a paragraph of dialogue just jammed together. Chapter two is entirely an email written from Alice to Eileen. The confidence of Sally Rooney is mind-blowing. Yes, sure. I'm just going to put in a, a whole email for for this chapter. Yeah. And I'm going to do yeah. this the whole way. I mean, it was what we'll come to find out. It alternates. It's part epistolary. Yeah. And then this, these, they just alternate. And it uh, goes back and forth between who is writing the email. Is it exactly. Alice writing to Eileen or Eileen writing to Alice? And so uh, it also has the interesting maneuver. I don't know what the word, but... Where she writes the, whoever's writing, in this case, you're writing chapter two, it's Alice writing to Eileen, and you don't get Eileen's response until right. no. two chapters later. And and I yeah. somehow that doesn't bother me. I think it's, no. I actually think it just keeps layering. And yes, I, I thought I thought the emails as their own chapters were super effective. Like that is where yes. to me then I got to get into their heads and their yep. thoughts and it got more yep. intimate. And that's where also I think as you mentioned earlier, their friendship really comes through. So I love yes. these email chapters. Me too. And and we'll talk about that a little more when I when we talk mm-hmm. about how she decided to write the story. Or I, I have more to say on that and I agree with you completely. But I just want to talk about emails. She I, I read an e- interview with her about normal people when and the emails were were very small part of that uh, book I think it was just when she was abroad and someone had mentioned to her it was very retro of them to email and she's like what retro I love emailing that's how I feel I love emailing you and I have I had quite say, a few. I hope you're going to talk about mm-hmm. ours because that's what I oh, want to yeah. talk about. I feel yeah. like this is very you and me. And I know oh, you absolutely. have it with other people too. I'm just saying this, I feel like we go deep in the emails. So yes. I, that's why I figured I'd love this so much. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you and I do it. It's a, it's a very, it's a, like three people total. But I will say Ian and I, when we were dating, oh my God, just the emails, pages and pages and pages of emails, especially because early in our relationship, he was living in LA and I was in New York and the time difference, you know, we we did speak on the phone, but there was plenty of time when the other person wasn't, was was thinking of the other one and the other person wasn't was awake available. or right, right. available, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so oh, I didn't we know just, that. Oh, I like oh that. Oh my gosh, yes. But I, I love emails. I love to get really deep and like these emails and like the ones that you and I have and it just I mean a conversation is great too it does a completely different thing but an email yeah yeah so I love she says that that this is how she converses with her friends so yeah she was like what are you talking about this is what we do and the email will go from you know a topic of you know your relationship or or friendship or love and then to politics or what's going on in the world like she's like that is how we talk like what are you talking about (laughs) like I do mix these things in my everyday life things within the larger context of the world. Like that's how I talk to my friends. Yes, I absolutely love that. And she really does it well because so in this first one, she's talking about, I'm going crazy thinking about the rent that you pay in Dublin. And then she, that very naturally causes her to, you know, launch into this idea about Dublin. And she writes, 
really almost a whole page about, she starts off with topography. Dublin is literally flat. But then she continues to just kind of talk stream of consciousness. And she says, you've probably noticed it on, on some subconscious level. It's hard to go very far up in Dublin or very down low. Hard to lose yourself or other people or to gain a sense of perspective. You might think it's a democratic way to organize a city so that everything happens face to face. I mean, on equal footing. True, no one is looking down at you from from a height, but it also gives the sky a position of total dominance. Mm. And I'm like, what? I know. What? It, I know. It's so layered. She truly is saying, like, I can't believe you pay so much rent in Dublin. And then she's off on this tangent and and how does the topography affect our way of thinking and our way of being I, I in the world that really stood out to me I loved that and and how funny to say you might think that's democratic but the sky you give the sky all the power <laughs> what so, I know her the way her brain works I don't yeah I, it's, oh I love uh, it. Yeah. And then, and then she goes it. off on the thing about the convenience store and all the, yep. she's just trying to buy lunch, but she's looking at all the plastic bottles and the prepackaged lunch. And then she's just like, all for this, this convenience shop. I felt dizzy <laughs> thinking about it. I mean, I really felt ill. It was as if I suddenly remembered that my life was all part of a television show. And every day people died making the show were ground to death in the most horrific ways, children, women, and all so that I could choose from various lunch options, each packaged in multiple layers of single-use plastic. That was what they died for. That was the great experiment. I thought I would throw up. So she's going on and on, and then she's like, "Yeah, I still have to buy lunch. And in case you're worrying right. about that, me, let me assure you, buy lunch I did. <laughs> oh, like, my, oh God. my God, yes. Yeah, because she's yeah. just like, I can sit and I can think about all these things and oh my God, but also any fucking lunch. I just so have to buy lunch. Yeah. We still have to oh exist in the world that we are still questioning or confused by or thinking about, but you know, I need Lisa, a sample. don't worry. Buy lunch, I did. I, I so, also like the yeah. part in the end of the email when she tells her about the date with Felix and mm. she says about 10 days ago, I went out on a date with someone who worked in a shipping warehouse and he absolutely despised me. To be mm -hmm. fair to myself, I always am. I think I have by now forgotten how to conduct social intercourse. And you realize there like that she she's lonely and yeah. she's mm -hmm. living in this big house. She's moved to this town by the sea that, that Felix even asked her, what'd you move here for? This is a town people move away from. Right. And we still don't really know why. She just said she thought it'd be nice to live by the sea. But I think we're starting to see from this of what she's sharing with Eileen about how she's a little bit of a recluse. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Eileen, chapter three introduces us to Eileen and Simon. And we've got a little bit of the the Marianne and Connell in Alice and Felix, the, the will they or won't they, but we have Marianne and Connell's wild misses with communication mm -hmm. with Eileen and Simon. Mm -hmm. And they man, feel the most Marianne and Connell to me. I felt, see, I, I, at first I thought it was, maybe it's the best part. It's, it's almost like the best part of it is with Alice and Felix. And then the worst part of them was with Eileen and Simon, but they're both, they're both more complex than that. But in this first taste, I was like, oh God. I mean, they're in love with, they're totally in love with each other. And 
the mutual attraction and chemistry and history goes back to childhood, as the blurb says, for both of them. Mm -hmm. They sleep together sometimes, sometimes not, but they're never really together. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't. I can't with this. (laughs) Here we go. You guys can't get it together. Yes. Yeah. Her men are always so appealing. I don't don't know what is up with that, but Simon, (laughs) I just... I haven't seen him. He's not uh, Paul Meskel yet in my head. Yet. But he, there's something about Simon. Oh, man, I don't know. I know. And it's not like she but, writes like swoon worthy, you know, like, no, I don't know, typical. No, there's no, there's no big speeches. Yeah, <laughs> There's exactly. no grand gestures. <laughs> barely get the words Nothing, out. yeah, nothing traditionally romantic. Well, but we do get on page 23 when he, uh, Simon says to her, I had a, bad dream the other night that you were getting about you getting married what was bad about it you were marrying someone other than me mm-hmm. and so you right know there. that's clearly yeah. something but she goes in a completely different direction oh do you talk like this to all the women at work I mean what why why would you do that why don't you just take the compliment why don't right. you you know flirt back instead of diverting it and then at the bottom of that page he gestured his hand from side to side in the air to indicate friction uncertainty, sexual chemistry, indecisiveness, or perhaps mediocrity. What? 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 I'm insane, that line. I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. When I flip my hand around, those aren't all the things that are being unsaid there. No. Exactly. Oh She's reading into it what she wants to read into it instead of really trying to understand him. And that kind of stuff really drives me crazy. But in, you know, in a good way, in a way right. I want to keep reading. But it really does drive me crazy. Right. And then they talk about going to this wedding and I I could go alone if you'd rather. We could make eyes at each other across the room. And then, you know, so he's kind of fishing. Desperate. Like, yeah. yeah. But Mm -hmm. she just goes, yeah, what am I desperate? You make me sound very desperate. He's like, God, I didn't mean to, you know. But (laughs) this is this is just what they do. This is what she, Mm -hmm. she writes these. You're intrigued. Again, this is the first time you're meeting them. Clearly, like you said, mm-hmm. they've got some kind of history. You don't know it yet at this point. But if he's saying right. he had a dream and he was upset that she was marrying someone else, you don't know if it was a yeah. if they've past love or present love, but there's some kind of connection. And their Obviously. banter, just right out of the gate, is just mm-hmm. there's there's some electricity, it feels like to me, right yeah. across from this very first moment. Yes, but also really yes. mixed and poor. Like they're having two different yes. conversations. conversations. They are often having two different conversations. It drives me nuts. She goes get, back to her desk and searches up some name who I guess, were, well, we come to find out is her ex. But my first oh yes. thought was Corinne would never do this. I just no. would like people who haven't listened perhaps to our prior episodes where this has come up more than once, I think. Yeah. Corinne does not Google exes. She would never do this right here. No, no. <laughs> well, but that brings me to something I did want to talk about, which was something that's markedly different from normal people in Beautiful World, Where Are You?, is the use of social media and technology. Yes, and I was going to say that, yep. And she does it so well, and that is to say she makes it clear that technology and social media are both insidious and irrelevant. You know, it's always kind of like 
a passing thing. She goes back. She looks up the Instagram. She, you know, sees who comments on his picture. She, you know, follows that profile and then looks at that profile and then assesses that woman. Are they dating? You know, what's going on? So it's insidious, but it's also generally irrelevant. What's what's relevant is that, you know, and we'll come to find this out later, she's having conflicting feelings about her ex and, you know, should they have broken up? Should they have not broken up? Should she And so, but... It just perfectly captures what really is going on. And and so many people who refuse to put in social media in their writing often say, well, it's irrelevant. Nobody – like the part of the day when you're scrolling through shit doesn't matter. What's important is like what are you doing? Are you looking right. up an ex? Are you looking up someone you're jealous of? Like what are, what are you doing? What are the feelings that are coming out? Behind it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she somehow manages to do that. And – you know, Alice and Felix meet on a dating app and there's, I just said, they, Eileen is stalking an ex on social media. They are using WhatsApp. I mean, all the modern common technology trappings of 2021 or whatever are, are in this book, but they don't feel like now is the scene where, like they don't have a conversation about social media, right? It's right. just what's, go- what's going on for them. Right, exactly. And I we just all, can't believe we yeah. get to page 28 where we find, till we find out like her name and some basic facts about her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Eileen Lydon, 29. Well, that, that, was, that was more interesting in the excerpt in the New Yorker because mm-hmm. yes. you really had no idea what was going on. Yes. When I, when I started reading this book, obviously you knew Eileen was the other woman and you start with Alice. So I knew right away that this was Eileen, but when right. we in when you read it in the New Yorker, it was like, wait, what? And it took like pages to get her name. Just right. the woman, the woman, it was the much woman. More confusing there, yeah. It was. So we just get the basic facts about her here. Yeah, right. That she's twenty nine as well, and that Simon is five years older. They've known each other since childhood. She always had a crush he is on a po- him. Yeah, she is a copywriter at a literary magazine I think it is something having to do with publishing and he is a political consultant so we do find out some um, details about them and that their that their bond really started when they were when they were young and that she Mm -hmm. really always looked up to him and had a crush on him and it seems as if he you know she says he always listened to her even though she was five years younger and he was always friendly and respectful and when he was leaving for school, she was so upset. And she said yeah. he was the only person she could talk to, basically, in my life, the only one. And they won't even let me talk to you. And now you're going. I wish I was dead. And his <laughs> response is, everything will be all right. I promise you and I are going to be friends for the rest of our lives. So yes. this started at a young age. There will, they won't. Yeah. Yes. And her feeling like there's something special in Simon yes. that she can't really find in anyone else. And yet all the miscommunication, which is what drives me crazy. And yet it will. He's the going. only one that understands me, yet we don't understand each other all the time. I mean, I've just, this is just something that has evaded me my whole life. I guess she's saying he's the only person she feels like she could talk to, but you're saying that when she's talking to him, she doesn't appear to be communicating openly and and yeah, directly. I, 
guess. Well, like, I guess certainly that is happening later, right? Because she doesn't, right, she doesn't respond when he says, I had a bad dream, you were marrying someone else. And she says, do you talk to the other woman at work like this? Like, that's not what she was thinking. Yes. That's not what she wanted to say in that moment. There's no chance. No. I think, though, as we'll go on, I mean, she certainly seems comfortable talking to him and being open with him about some things. But I, I, I have a feeling, yes, based on what we've seen so far, there is going to be a lot of what you're talking about, which is not saying in the moment the <sighs> no, thing they want to say. Right. Yes. You know, mm, so. Yeah. yeah. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say that is also, I think, where we first find out, too, about when when she met Alice and a little bit about their friendship. Yes, um, we do. You know, that's right. Uh, oh, good. Well, perfect segue. Yeah, I into, think so because yeah. then we'll get into their friendship. But I I thought this was interesting the way they sort of described what they were like at university. You know, she said Alice had a very loud speaking voice, dressed in ill-fitting secondhand clothes, and seemed to find everything hilarious. Her father was a mechanic with a drinking problem, and she'd had a disorganized childhood. She did not easily find friends among their classmates. And I'm like, okay, so Alice, that gives you a little peek into what Alice is like. But then she said, Alice, Alice said that Eileen was a genius and a pearl beyond price, and that even the people who really appreciated her still didn't appreciate her enough. Eileen said that Alice was an iconoclast, a true original, and that she was ahead of her time. And I just love that, that yeah. way of describing their feelings for each other in such a unique way. I mean, it yeah. says so and, much about each of them. Yeah, and they really have a lot of respect for one yes. another. They they don't, you know, they're not the same, but yet they're on the same level, I guess, right? And they have immense respect for one another. And they really feel like the other person gives them something that they couldn't have alone and that they in that way they they really do need each other and benefit f each other yes right and that they seem to get each other when maybe yeah. others don't necessarily yeah yes yeah and we also find out that when she was 24, Alice signed an American book deal for $250,000. And this sort of <laughs> auto-fictional, this autobiographical elements of Alice mm -hmm. and Sally Rooney is going to come out, I think, yes. throughout. But it's there, there will be a lot more as we go on, examples of, of that. Oh, and, my gosh. I can't and, wait to And Sally about Rooney that, has so. said that. I mean, I, I did read that, that this she basically wrote this book as a way to sort of work through her own issues with with her you know, fame, with fame and, and popularity with yep. exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah. You, that'll come yeah. out a lot but that's our sort of first glimpse at like okay yep this is she's i'm not saying she's a stand-in for alice but that's where no. alice is going to channel a lot of her thoughts on this i think yeah and i think probably both because yeah she, you're right Right. She she presents one side of her own argument in in Alice's perspective. And then we get to a direct answer from Eileen. So I'm guessing I she's that she's I part. I know. That. Again, with these emails and you do have to yeah. wait another chapter or two before mm -hmm. you get to it. But yeah, you get one view and then you're thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm sure you did, too. I'm like, yeah, but, but what about this? What about that? And then you get. Yeah. To the, the other, other side responding and you're like, ah, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Actually, I never did because I think I must be more Alice. And so I thought, oh, my God, what she said is that's exactly right. And then I would get Eileen's resp response and I'm like, oh, oh, 
that's yeah. A good I mean, point. that's a valid and interesting counterpoint, huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. so funny. So you must be the Eileen. Yeah. So the friendship between the two women. So the quote that I had read earlier goes on in The Guardian to say, Sally Bernie says, I was interested in the interaction between their friendship and their intellectual lives, how their ideas inform the relationship and how the particularities of their dynamic inform the development of their ideas. And I don't know, I just, I had no, don't think I've ever heard the term like intellectual relationship and, and everything that that term captures mm. that I found just so apt for yes. what you'll read, but also how much it captures. Like I said, it, one, there's nothing romantic about their dynamic. Now, two women could have some, even two friends could have some sort of chemistry or something else that, that will never be explored, but it's underlying. And I'm not seeing that here. It's very true to itself. But there's also nothing frivolous about their relationship at yeah. all. They don't mm -hmm. like go shopping or talk about clothes or food or diets or manis and petties, you know, like nope. there is, there's nothing like that. I was, I thought, oh, Jessica Knoll and her, you know, like lunch, that, that op-ed piece yeah. that she wrote for the New York Times, she would be so happy with their conversations because there's no talk about diet or food or clothes or anything kind of superficial it's all really deep conversations very deep. and oh, so wait yeah. what is the phrase again the intellectual relationship relationship okay. yeah just that is so and, apt yeah and there's also nothing convenient about this relationship they aren't roommates they aren't sisters you know sometimes when you live together you share things with people and mm -hmm. You know, but this isn't convenient. They go out of the, their way. They make an effort to be friends. It it shouldn't be so surprising to me. Like, it is really exactly the kind of relationship I have with you and a very small handful of other women. It has the intimacy and intensity of a, a romantic relationship, but it's not romantic. It has the women connecting level without being frivolous. It's so many things. And I was like, wow, I've never even thought about how incredibly rare this is to see. Yeah, it and, really is. And that I only have a couple of it of them in my own life. I mean, I I don't know. It kind of really... I, it, it it, and you definitely don't see it like in, in a in a novel it, it, no you don't see it explained and described so well even though you right. probably could because like you're saying you do have a couple examples I think it's extremely rare yeah and I really could probably outside of you maybe one other but I to be perfectly I'll be perfectly honest I don't know that the others I'm thinking of get to the the true intensity level that you used a good word I mean there's intimacy but it's intensity and then the word that is from the quote the intellectual aspect that's hard to get all of those together yeah and I, that relationship in and of itself defies categorization because yes. you would yeah okay sure in a romantic relationship you kind of expect those things you have to be totally into me you have to be intense and if you're an intellectual person you expect them to be intellectual yes. with you I don't know that we just don't yeah. see a lot of it and I just did not realize that I didn't see a lot of it until I heard I read that quote and she was right. like this is this is what was important to me I was like oh my god she's fucking right wow and I mean and, the, and and to basically have that be the main component of a novel 
I mean, that this isn't just like a little side aspect of it. You know what I mean? I mean, this is that this is what this story is about. In addition, of course, yes, to their relationships, each with Felix and Simon. But I feel like this is this is like the heart of this. Yeah. So far, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, right. But. That's right. That's right. But but we can imagine that it's going to continue because they're also working out the things in their own lives with each yes. other, which is exactly what you and I do, right? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. You know, they're that's... also very direct with each other. Mm, you know, yes. You know, she's not. You know, if one gets what the other thinks is maybe a little dramatic or misconstrued, like mm, let's, which you would do to me, like yeah, mm, yeah. we'll get. <laughs> which we is it? It isn't in the first three chapters, but it will be where the ones like. You know, I think you're sort of got a little revisionist history here yeah, about uh-huh, that, or uh-huh, you know, oh, yep. and then <laughs> you know, yeah. really, did you yeah. feel like that? Because you know, and I love that that they sort of yeah. push. There's a push and and pull that I think is yes, very and they've, authentic. And they've also got some secrets, but let's not go too far into yeah. the 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 because we'll, we're we're going to have plenty to talk about yes. that. But so the other part of that initial statement was she said it took a a long time and a lot of trial and error to figure out how to tell the story and boy I I mean I don't want to go too long but I bored my husband to death with like an hour dissertation on the narrative distance Mm -hmm. in this in this novel and I was so geeked up just thinking about it and talking about it and I won't I won't go that that far so deep into it but I can't not say anything so chapter one, she's pretty close third person with Alice. Yeah, the first page, she's kind of like setting the scene in the restaurant. So it's a little bit farther away. But she's pretty close third with Alice. We're in her head. We're seeing what she's feeling and thinking as as a close third person point of view. Mm-hmm. In chapter three, she zooms out very far and and stays there a lot of the time. The narrator is very distant it's almost like a reporter, you know, yes. that is mm-hmm. watching something happen and then telling you about it. It's chapter three starts at 20 past 12 on a Wednesday afternoon, a woman sat behind a desk in a shared office in Dublin city center, scrolling through a text document. She had very dark hair, swept back loosely in a tortoiseshell clasp. Everything that she was wearing, a gray sweater, tucked into black cigarette trousers. Seven pages later, you find out her name was Eileen Leiden. She is twenty. She was 29 years old. Her father, Pat, managed a farm in County Galway, and her mother, Mary, was a geography teacher. She had one sister, Lola, who was three years older than she was. As a child, Lola had been sturdy, brave, and mischievous, while Eileen had been anxious and often ill. I mean... There's a real distance between we are not in Eileen's head. We are a person that is almost reporting on who Eileen is. And it never really gets close, not the way it does with Alice. It really stays distant in that third chapter. And then chapter two, as we've already talked about, these emails, this is where we get first person out of Sally Rooney, which is not something I would expect we would ever get out of her because you know, in in serious literature, you know, it, it's thought of that you don't write in the first person, you write in the third person in, mm-hmm. in you know, right. literary fiction. Mm-hmm. But here we get all of these emails are all written in first person. Yes. And you said you, you know, you have to wait, you do have to wait a chapter. So if, if the pattern is going to be Alice and Felix, then email 
of Alice to Eileen, then Eileen and Simon, then email back to Alice from Eileen. You are seeing things that happen in the chapter and then you are getting into, so you see it, you observe it. And then in the next chapter, you get more of their thoughts about it. And we'll talk about this later, but that happens when Eileen and Simon go to church together. And like, I mean, that's a whole thing. Like it's almost a different thing that happened entirely when we see what happens quote unquote what happens and then we get Eileen's thoughts about it in the first person when she's writing to Alice it's it's like a different thing that has happened and so it's the kind of thing that doesn't really matter to a reader on a conscious level but I think the reader is getting a lot out of it it is telling a completely different story than what she could accomplish with just a third person narrative she you would never get in their heads the way you are and but yet she's not real I mean she's not writing a chapter from the first person I she is making it into an email so she is talking to Eileen very specifically but she is using the I there because that's how you one writes an email right is to say uh, I was doing this and so we really get into her head there are all the rules right you have to stay in in third person you have to pick third person or first person and then you have to stay with it and then there's there's come it's come a long way point of view has and then there were books that had alternating points of view and sometimes it would be alternating you know alternating first persons or alternating third persons then there's like you can alternate one is first because so you get really in that person's head and then you get another person's third so you're getting more of the picture but you're not getting more thoughts as far as storytelling has come she has managed to make something that I haven't seen before yeah like yes. this combining the really distant third the really close third and the first person which is not really first person and, and I know she she said is or suggesting that it took her a lot of trial and error but she really was working in service of the story as opposed to thinking like these are the rules and you can't break the rules you know it's part of the thing with her ex her you know quotation marks she's like the story is not about quotation marks and punctuation it's about what they're saying and what's going on behind it and she is that form over or function over form but she still does it right because when you do it badly I've read some recently you know there there is a trend that you can forget all the rules about points of view and I've read some that do it very poorly very poorly and I I don't think it's in service of the story and they really needed an editor. And these are published books. Really needed an editor that would help say, what are you actually trying to accomplish here? How does this fill out the story? And she just does it. And I'm sure she doesn't even know what she's doing. She's just like, this is how I have to do it, right? This is just how the story. It did take her. I did read that as well in another article. A lot, she tried a lot of different ways around it. And and. I I felt a little bit like the quotation marks issue that I had with normal people at first, that just in the sense that it took me a little while to get used yeah. to it. And yeah. then, I, exactly what I said earlier, I thought at first, like, mm, you're right, this sounds a little bit like a reporter, and am I just getting facts? And I thought it might be hard to get to know them. But then as I said earlier, the minute you get in with the emails, it feels so intimate. And I felt like I absolutely then was in their heads and, and it works so well, but it is so unusual. And it's just one of those things where you're just like, 
you hate to just be like, she's a genius, but kind of fucking legit. Kind of fucking brilliant. Like, you know, that brilliant. you're right. That's interesting because that's what you said about Little Fires Everywhere. Because unlike Little Fires Everywhere, Celeste Ng did not change the narrative distance. She did not go far away, uh, you know, like a reporter or close in, but she did head jump, right? So she, yes. she, she was close third in Mia's point of view. Uh, close third in Elena's point of view and then if she Elena started thinking about a story she was all of a sudden close third in Elena's mom's point of view which Elena's mom wasn't even part of the story and so that head jumping but it but that was your complaint was not that she didn't do it well because she clearly did do it well she did it seamlessly and 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 effortlessly uh, made it look easy and it's absolutely positively not trust me I've tried it yeah yeah but that you didn't really get to know them. That that was your yes. You, that's you never how I feel felt. like you could really like get into them. And here you're not I getting do. that mostly because of the emails. And I don't see now. Celeste Ng did it because she had a lot of points of view. You know, she wanted to to tell a three dimensional story, especially if you just take something as simple as the adoption. She wanted to have people who thought adoption is of uh, is wrong in this scenario and. Adoption is humane in this in that scenario and was the best possible thing in this best life. So she wanted, and then others who were like, eh, I'm not so sure. And maybe now that the birth mother's back, maybe you should kind of let go of that. So she wanted to give all these points of view on one thing. And so she needed different narrators, different characters to, to give that. I think here it's going to be that Eileen, I don't know, we'll see. I haven't, I haven't read ahead much, so I don't know, but that Eileen knows herself the least and that she's still figuring herself out the most. And so that's why we have some distance. And it's like, who is Eileen? Well, who is Eileen? What we're getting is she's a 29-year-old copywriter, right? That's not really who right. someone is. Alice, right. we know who she is. We know what makes her tick. We know what, what she's afraid of. We know, but maybe that's because she's, Alice knows those things and well, Eileen doesn't yes. quite know them yet. And that's what that distance is doing. So she wants you to feel like she, you don't really know her right now. But through the emails and through the course of the, I'm guessing through the course of the book, that that she will come to know herself better. And so we won't need that distance because right. she'll, I mean, she's clearly got walls up, right? I mean, she's, yeah. when he says, I had a dream that you married someone else, how sad is that? And she's like, do you talk to everyone at work this way? Well, that's not, you know, like she's yeah, got walls right. up there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to see that those come down. And I hope that will be reflected in the, the narrative distance as well. But yeah, this was, this was hard for her to write too. I mean, in the article I read, she said that conversations with friends and normal people both sort of she's like I, I hate to say this they both sort of like fell out of me like like not that it, I, I don't think she wants to sound like an asshole like oh, it was so easy to write my New York Times bestseller but it was an easier process for her and she said this was she she had to sort of go back and ask herself like what wait a minute what is a novel and she said I seem to be writing them but what are they oh my gosh she, yeah, she said yeah. she never thought about like, you know, uh, protagonists and 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 again in the point of view and all of this and and so she, I do think her sort of starting from scratch in that sense of just yeah. like I know I've written these two novels and yes I've had great success but I think she was also sh struggling with that and yeah 
But I'm guessing that is her, that's her way of, of breaking more rules. Like how can you break more rules when Sally, she's been breaking rules since her first book. And so she continued to do it in her second book. And she's like, well, how can I continue to push those boundaries? And like I said earlier, storytelling has come a long way from you have to choose first or third and that's it. One narrator from beginning to end and you choose first point of view or third point of view. And that's basically it for the vast majority of books. Now, storytelling has come a long way. But but as far as it's come, Sally is still ahead of the curve here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I can imagine that's more difficult. And it would require her asking something like, what is a novel? Yes. And even though she's written two fantastically successful ones, that's her way of breaking everything down and, yes, and building, building it up again. Up. Oh, yeah, now we're back to little fires. Little fires. <laughs> it's uh, Sally, true, Sally is is a woman after my own heart. And I know she would, I'm okay. We're going to talk about this more next time, but I'm okay. I don't think she would like me saying any of these things. And I'm okay with that. I don't need her approval for it. I just, it's just how I feel. It's, it just is. She is a, a woman I can relate to. First, giving me the the idea of their intellectual relationship. And then I know we're going to talk about what she said in our full original episode when, we, when we're done with the recaps, but I really couldn't resist this, I read. Someone was talking to her about, I think this was also in The Guardian one, I think it's all I read and there was just so much in it, that she, oh, talking about her competitive debate time oh, as a competitive that. right yeah the, the interviewer said you know why did you suddenly become competitive about debate when you had said before that you were not a competitive person at all and she says I wasn't good enough at anything to be meaningful com- meaningfully competitive about it before she says with debating I found something I was pretty good at and I pursued it with the aim of becoming the best and when I felt I had become the best I lost interest in it and gave up Getting really good at something is a fun challenge, but once everyone agrees that you're very good at it, there's more pressure and less fun, at least for me. I don't have the right mentality to compete in any field at a very high level for very long. And I was like, oh my God, how has no one given me these words before? (laughs) That is me. I only like the challenge of becoming whatever the best is to me. Now, was I the best lawyer in the world? No, definitely not. But did I become the best in my group, in my field? Yes. Or in my class, whatever it was. Absolutely. And then I was like, okay, so I'll go in-house now. And then I'll be the best at this. I was the youngest. And, you know, part of that was timing of the markets and how people were hiring in-house younger at younger ages. I was young. I, you know, I felt like I was the best. And then as soon as I'm the best, I'm incredibly bored. And I just want out. I want the next challenge. I want the next, you know... Uh, like, what else can I do now? I want to just continue to strive to be the best, but not because once I achieve it, I do want to achieve it, but once I achieve it, it's it's kind of gone it's, for me. It's boring. Yeah. Then the, the, there's oh. not, it's not fun anymore. Yeah. I, 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 love... I It's not me, but I, I can completely understand that. Like, in an intellectual level, I could see if but you're a person. That... I feel like that's a point of view I haven't really heard before. And maybe because once you really do become the best you don't stop I don't know I just feel like it's not so it's like people entrepreneurs who like build 
you know, they build a company or they build it, then they sell it and then they start something new because they're they, yeah. they, they, you know, I, I mean, I think if you yeah. have that I guess mindset, we just think of that as yeah. like pivoting and that yeah. seems more normal. But I had never heard anyone say, I wanted to be the best. And then as soon as everyone agreed I was the best, I wasn't into I it anymore. I, I just feel like interest. we haven't heard that point of view. Yeah. And it, man, I was like, uh, yeah. And I, I remember, that yeah, that quote around her wanting to be the best. And that was the one I had used and what she said about mm-hmm. Fast Eddie. I was the best no, yeah, yeah, in debate. Yeah. But yeah, but this is sort of the follow-up to that. It is, right. And she continues. That's what's amazing to me too. She continues to evolve as a writer, as a human being. And we will talk about this later and not tonight. We have to stop. But she has <laughs> gone back to some other, some quotes that not just that one that we had talked about before and has revised her thinking yes. on it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love growth and perspective. And, you know, I don't, I don't think She's that constantly is. assessing things, I think in, in her life and her writing through her characters. I mean, that's what I these two, that. these emails, that's what they do, right? They debate yeah. things that you can, you can tell that this is, the things these are the things she thinks about and that she wonders about or talks to her friends about and and there's such an intellectual curiosity the debate mm-hmm. debater is still in her right because yeah I mean, oh absolutely these emails you see two sides of so many different things and oh absolutely just her the way her mind works it just comes through in all I of this it. but but still is just ultimately about friendship and love and sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and relationships you know the things that matter in this yeah. world but i don't uh-huh. know we'll, we'll definitely get into that but get to that mm-hmm. we will oh gosh so, so i mean i can't <laughs> I, I can't tell if you've gotten this far obviously we think you should keep reading but truly this this book is impacting me more than normal people did which is saying a lot because normal people really impacted me and this one like I said is just like I mean the dog-eared pages are just oh my gosh I have a picture and I'm gonna post it in our stories and you can send me yours oh good I will literally of how many are dog-eared only through page 145 it's crazy I was gonna say how is it possible that we could have this many Dog ears. Oh my gosh. That's why I think these recaps, I I was very confused as to how this was going to go. I'm not going to lie. I'm just, but it is, we would have, yeah, we It's a lot. There's plenty to talk about. Yeah. Otherwise. Plenty to talk about. And maybe people will read along with us and. Yeah, that would be and, fun. And follow that way. So, because when you're done with a Sally Rooney book, and let's be honest. Oh my God. Fun, you just want to talk about it more. You want to hear about yeah. it more. Yeah. And if you're not willing to dig deep when you're reading a Sally Rooney book, what are you doing? I mean, doing? I understand. I read books that I'm not willing to dig deep on. That's okay. That's good too. But a Sally Rooney book? Come on. You got to go deep. Let's go. Let's go deep. Oh, we're going. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women 
or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.